Yo, 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 welcome to another episode of Off the Record Podcast, where academics, uh, listen, this is the 2021 yearly wrap-up episode, and before we can get into 2022, god damn it, if ain't nobody else gonna do it, academics gotta do it, okay, all the podcasts seem like they beefing, so it looked like, it used to be a thing where people link up, and all the podcast hosts, you know, they try to, you know, discuss what was popping in the last year, and discuss the new year, but everybody looked like they're beefing, or got some type of issue, so academics is saying, I'm gonna do it my goddamn self, all right? Now, first and foremost, if you guys were tuned into music in 2021, it was a very interesting year. Started off hella slow and actually hella uneventful, picked up, but the drama and shit like that pretty much, it it became even bigger than the music, if you ask me. Now, I'm going to break all this down, but first and foremost, for everybody who's been watching this year... Off the record, I want to thank you guys for supporting us. You guys have made us the number one music podcast on Spotify. Spotify loves y'all. I love you guys. And as we keep going forward, we're going to get better. And I got these little cute little note cards here, which I'm going to start employing. But I don't got it today, so I'm actually using off the off the iPhone. Regardless, um, just really thinking about how music has went this year and transitioned. We have to think about and talk about a few things. First of all, This was the year, if you ask me, was going to be a make or break year for artists who were relevant and popping in 2020 or 2018 because a lot of artists decided to not drop till three years. Now, I've been saying this a long time. These days in the microwave era that we live in, people need to drop frequently. You can't wait two to three years unless you are a substance and content artist. You're Kendrick. Kendrick, you can wait five, okay? By the way, we thought Kendrick was going to drop. He didn't, okay? He didn't drop a solo LP. But we did expect Drake to drop because the last time he dropped was 2018. We expected Kanye to drop. Now, it was interesting because the whole thing back in 2018 was Kanye kind of getting that uh, or Drake kind of getting that Pusha T and Kanye. That shit just picked back up. Seamlessly this year Alright Now that was a whole melodrama in itself But I can't go without mentioning The first three months of the year That if you ask me Was just dominated by artists That we normally don't see Dominate the music discussion Okay They're usually I want to say B tier They're like the second tier But not the superstars That people are like You know just fucking Foaming at the mouth for But Pooh Shiesty Moneybag Yo Lil Dirk Lil Baby They killed it for the first, like, three, four months of this year, all right? And if you really watched when people were dropping music, it was, and I'm telling you this now, the whole industry was pussyfooting around Drake possibly dropping an album when they realized that Kanye was going to drop an album. Everybody was just running for the hills, okay? It's the reason why, you know, I believe we got, um, you know, a lot of artists' album at weird timing, either super early or super late, and we could talk about Roddy Rich coming Pretty much at the end of the year where the music industry shut down. We'll talk about his numbers, his impact, why he wait so late. Also, it's the reason why I think Meek's album kind of, it fell a little awkwardly. And I think the results in terms of sales was a little awkward as well. You know, obviously you had J. Cole who came out. He dropped, got his shit out of the way early. But the Drake and Kanye conversation, CLB versus Donda, that's where pretty much if as mainstream music goes, that was pretty much the talk of the town. Now, I will say this. Salute to Nas. Uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge the fact that Nas is consistently, and I'm going to say at a pretty decent pace, dropping great or classic music, you know, nominated for another Grammy. So we have to, you know, give credit to Nas, who some people would be thinking like, yo, there's no pressure for Nas to release an album every couple of years, much less releasing multiple albums per year. Now, uh, I do want to start off by saying, and I should probably just get the, the RIPs out of the way. First of all, RIP to Young Dolph. Um, we, we love some great rappers this year, man. Um, Young Dolph passed away in Memphis. You know, um, I've covered the story. Uh, we lost uh, Drake, the ruler. This was also the year we lost DMX. We lost uh, Michael K. Williams. If you guys watch The Wire, you guys should know him. Bismarck Key actually passed. Virgil abruptly passed. Like, I don't think any of us saw that happen. I'm talking about Virgil Abloh, who um, created Off-White. And, um, yeah, we also lost a lot of other people as well, whether it was, you know, E-Day, Black Rob, um, um, Wiz the Wiz, you know, Little Loaded, 
and, and a lot of other people who we lost in this year. So I definitely want to send, you know, condolences and as a community and a rap family, you know, when we lose a rapper like the people who I've mentioned or someone who has been influenced, influential in the hip hop community, we're robbed from, you know, more of their contributions that they could have given if they were still here. And obviously their friends and family have much more personal losses in terms of, you know, dealing with, you know, their death. Regardless, um, Dolph, I'll say this about Dolph and salute to Key Glock, salute to the whole PRE Empire, salute to Empire Records as well, salute to Ghazi. I do want to say there's a lot of artists that we realize they have set forth a legacy that will continue beyond their death. Clearly, DMX is one, you know, and we, we were all probably just on pins and needles hoping that DMX was going to make it, but he ended up didn't. And even with our young Dolph, but, you know, both of those brothers, they have, you know, while they were here on earth, they definitely put forth a legacy that people are going to remember from, um, from a long time to come. You know, uh, I'll say this. The next thing I have to address, which is not the best, is a bunch of rappers who actually went to jail. This year was probably the year I saw filled with the most amount of arrest, legal cases, federal indictments, RICO cases, that pretty much is taking rappers out of their element. And also, I'm going to parallel it with this point that I was actually having a conversation with a rapper about. After last year, some, someone told me, and they're a rapper, and they said, listen, Ak, I'm going to be honest with you. We are now in the era because this music shit is cyclical. It's not only one thing. It goes from here to there and here to there. There's times where, you know, um, gangster rap or whatever wasn't that popular. And what I mean, you know, let me explain that, um, that statement. People were accepting of the guys who were swag rapping, who basically wasn't living that life making gangster rap, right? For example, when YB in the mirror, not saying he's not a gangster, a thug, or not a naughty gangster crip, or whatever he says he is, but a lot of people were pretty much into the swag gangsterism at one point. Like, for example, if Smoke Purple's, you know, rapping about, yo, he got the chopsticks or he's going to kill you, this and third, sounded good, but there wasn't much believability there, Right? In the last two years, and this is what the, the, that particular rapper told me, they said, listen, the rappers who has been winning is the real street rappers. The rappers who people look at and they think and they say, these motherfuckers actually live the shit. We believe them. We actually believe that they about what they're talking about, okay? And we're talking about everybody from the likes of, um, whether it's Leonardo Wick, um, whether it's a young boy, whether it's, you know, um, a lot of these rappers like a Fulio, a Young and Ace, whether, you know, people are looking at what's going on with, you know, Brooklyn or Bronx Drill or Drill, just anywhere else, people seem to be more accepting of music talking about violence from the people who they really feel are violent, okay? It's a shift recently because there was a time or a couple of years ago, anybody could just say anything, right? And it didn't matter if that person was actually living it. There was pretty much no repercussions on a music level. But now, these days, if you look at the people who are getting locked up, unfortunately, it looked like they were actually living their raps. Pooh Shiesty, Young Boy, YFN Lucci, right? Casanova. Like, all these artists, they're getting locked up, and pretty much... It, what it should tell you is that these things just wasn't lying, <laughs> okay? Which maybe we got to get back to the other end of the spectrum of music where people were just saying gangster shit for uh, entertainment purposes, and that was just not the truth. Regardless, anyway, you know, um, a lot of those rappers just named definitely went to jail. And um, one notable example, and this is why you're going to see where I rank him when it comes to making my list for, you know, the who's the top artist of the year and where they rank, Young boy who essentially got locked up, dropped an album, Sincerely Control, while being locked up, and that album went fucking crazy, okay? His album went number one. He hasn't been on Instagram, no social media, but it also showcased the same point I just said before. Rap fans and the organic support 
of rap music these days seem to come from people who believe and who seem to look towards these rappers as not only rappers, but some type of, you know, super gangsters or whatever the case is, because the support for young boys is ridiculous. Now, does he make great music? Absolutely. If you listen to that project and you'll see where I rank it as well. There's a lot of great songs on it. There's even a song he recorded in jail, but he went to jail, um, got caught in a very interesting situation. He was in Cali. The U.S. Marshals tried to uh, issue a, a arrest warrant. He hopped out the car. You know what I mean? Kicked the, the, the Shakiri Richardson in full gear, hopped the fence, did three backflips. You know what I mean? Two uh, uh, two uh, Gabby Douglas twirls in the air and ran under a house, and then they sent the K-9s for him, and then they caught him. It was ridiculous. I, I couldn't even believe it. But he went to jail, sat for a little bit, got bail on a federal charge, then got held for the, the California gun charge, Still got out and is currently on house arrest, still running YouTube, which I'm super proud of him. So hopefully his situations um, get get pretty much handled. Pooh Shiesty, who literally had to fly in the club, one of the biggest artists who had probably, I want to say the biggest song maybe of 2020, right? Back in Blood, definitely probably one of the biggest songs. Um, his uh, whole career pretty much just got like, you know, uh, its knees chopped from underneath it because... He got arrested for allegedly shooting a security guard in a popular nightclub in, in Miami. And then he also pretty much caught a charge from another shooting that they're claiming that he shot some dude in the butt after a failed robbery um, attempt with a weed and Jordan like sale that was going down. You know what I mean? Which it, the funny thing is, all this shit is caught on tape. You know what I mean? My man was in agreement, McLaren pulling out the strap. Like, this shit's ridiculous. Anyway, um, the arrest. Of those artists, and I'm gonna be honest, I really don't know what's gonna happen to Pusha T's case. You know, from you know, if you guys watch off the record frequently, we spoke with a former federal, you know, um, agent who pretty much said, "Yo, he's probably doing at least five, close to ten. You know, he's also put out messages on social media, kind of anticipating that he was probably gonna sit down for a while, and that's rather sad because like his career was super young and new. However. Again, the law is going to be decided when the next time he's actually free. Now, I'm going to be honest. When it comes to the biggest comeback this year, and we've seen recently, I've seen Kodak say he had the biggest comeback this year. I'm going to keep it on it. The person who should have said they had the biggest comeback this year isn't Kodak. And by the way, I think Kodak had a good comeback. I think Kodak had a good comeback. But the person who should have had the best comeback was undoubtedly the person who was supposed to be, you know, the protagonist to the antagonist of 6ix9ine. Like, you know, 6ix9ine, he told on the gang. And then you have another individual from New York who held it down for the gang, which was Bobby Schmurter. Okay, Bobby Schmurter came out of jail this year. We saw a lot of people who pretty much were all involved in um, um, promoting him, basically saying he did it the right way. However, since he came out, music hasn't hit the same and the whole energy and vibe and aura is completely off. And people are trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with Bobby. Now we had him up here. He was sitting right over there, okay? On off the record where he pretty much said it's a combination of his label. It's a combination of, you know, the powers that be. He's trying to control him. But that still doesn't really answer the question of why the music ain't hitting like how we think it should. So hopefully that will figure itself out. However, I got to be honest. When we were thinking about comebacks, we were waiting for Bobby to get out. And I got to be honest, are we going to say he had the biggest comeback? Or is it kind of lackluster and a little bit disappointing? We're going to actually talk about that because we got an award for biggest comeback and also, you know, some other awards as well. So uh, the Bobby Schmurter comeback was a very interesting thing. The weird thing about that, and I, and I even told him, when he first came out, he pretty much was a mannequin. They threw a bunch of Rock Nation stuff in his hand, took a bunch of pictures. You could tell they took it back from him afterwards and dipped. And a bunch of rappers who just wanted him in their music videos and taking a bunch of pictures with him. And then as soon as it came to him putting out his own stuff, they were ghost. So, you know, they used him for the moment. You know, he's a, he's a really good kid in terms of he doesn't blame people for, you know, whether or not contacting him when he was locked up or people not standing by him while he's trying to release his own music. He's trying to take everything in his own hands. And I think he's a better man than me because I feel like a lot of people in music used him. All right. Um, let me see what else happened. Well, me and Meek squash our beef. That's a good thing. 
you know, me and Meek, we were been going at it for, oh, my God, it's been four or five years, six years, actually. Since 2015 or maybe 2016, me and Meek been going at it. It's just, you know, it, it was never that public, but I would speak on certain things that was happening publicly. And, you know, in the last, like, two to three years, it got very public with me and Meek, where Meek would be tweeting, like, yo, listen, or posting on my page, like, yo, don't post this, don't post that, to, you know, it escalated to, yo, I got a green light on you, this and third, we talked on Clubhouse, and, you know, it was very tense, that whole fucking conversation, right? So, obviously, it wasn't going too good, and I'll be honest with you, um, we, we do have a mutual, you know, friend, which is uh, 21 Savage, and I got to give him so much salute and credit, because he made the call, and he said, yo, act. I don't like the direction this is going in. I really don't think y'all got nothing going on. Let us get on the phone, you and Meek. I told him, I said, bro, I've offered to get on the phone with Meek for five years. I don't think he's down to do it. He says, be by your phone. I'm going to get him to go on. And I think if it wasn't without 21 Savage, me and Meek, we don't get on that conversation. You feel me? We talk for a good amount of time. And um, that conversation was pretty dope. You know, um, was there angling and posture and then a little bit of, yo, man, you know, I don't got to squash it at first, obviously. You know, it's two men. But at the end of it, did we both just kind of come to agreement? Like, yo, listen, there's no point in us going to war with each other or there's no point with us constantly going back and forth with each other because it doesn't really help us. And what does that mean? Yeah, it makes it a little bit uncomfortable when I got to travel and go to places. And if Meek's going to be like, for example, we're just in Miami together, right? Like, he's in Miami, I'm in Miami, I might go to a club, he might be there. You don't make it a situation where something has to happen. We're not trying to hope that, you know, issues between two men get violent. We're hoping that we could solve these things before, right? And obviously on his side, too, like, you know, he dropped an album. And um, when he dropped his album, pretty much he, I think he felt that, yo, Ak was using his platform to kind of already put the narrative out there that the album wasn't a success sales-wise. You know, for me, hey, I always try to, my mode of attack is trying to use the facts. So, you know, Meek Miller sold 250000 first week with his album um, in 2018. And uh, this particular album sold, I believe, 93 or 95. Okay, I could be wrong, but it was definitely in the 90s. And um, because of that, you know, for him, I think it was a little bit disappointing and low. But I use that, obviously, to make the point that I feel like Meek Mill wasn't Meek Mill of, of, of 2018 anymore. Times were changing, you know. And again, was it petty? Clearly. And that's why we talked about it. And that's why we put it behind us, you know. So salute to Meek. Hopefully, at some point, we'll have that face-to-face sit-down. We didn't meet yet that face-to-face sit-down off-camera, then maybe one day it'll be on-camera, and then you guys can see how that goes down, right? So that was one of the, I think that was one of the shocking moments because, as I said, there's a reposition in the hip-hop happening, right? You know, I actually thought that um, Roddy Rich was going to sell, like, 200,000. And then I knew Meek wasn't going to sell, like, another 200,000, but I thought it was he was pretty much getting bunny-hopped by some of the dudes who I think the current generation was being able to identify with a little bit more, whether it was a little baby. Keep in mind, when Meek dropped in 2018 championships, Lil Baby dropped a project then too, and Meek did 250, Lil Baby probably did like 100. You get me? So Meek was just marginally a bigger artist than Lil Baby. Obviously, three years later, you know, in, in um, 2019, I believe, in 2019 we get Baby who was heating up, went crazy. He dropped a project. He did 250. No, not 250, he did 197, and I thought that Meek lost a little bit of, um, um, you know, he lost, not, not lost a step, but lost a little bit of momentum, so he wasn't going to do that again, okay? Especially if he didn't have, like, a drink feature or something like that. So what happened? He dropped his project. It did 95. Clearly, it was a bunny hop in terms of where Baby was at in 2020 compared to where Baby and Meek were at. Um, in 2018. So I thought the same was going to happen with Roddy, but if anything, it proved to me, and we could talk about the Roddy Rich album now. Roddy Rich dropped his album recently in the last month or so, um, Live Life Fast, and the cover was even a, you know, it's a playoff of dedication to Nipsey Hussle. However, I got to be honest, man, um, it shocked me. I, I had no fucking idea that Roddy Rich would not do 
at least over a hundred thousand. This his last album did over a hundred thousand. You know, of course he had uh he had some great songs that was fueling that album, including the box. He also had a bunch of other guest features that went crazy, but we gotta be honest, like I think Roddy Rich kind of missed the ball and missed the opportunity to really take that shit and run with it. If we compare it to Lil Baby, and this is why I keep always saying, you know, only artists with, you know, a lot of substance and it's all about content. And that might seem like it's a diss, but it's not a diss. It, um, I mean, substance and content. Is there a message behind what you're saying that people are buying into or are people just liking the songs because they're catchy? The box I think people like is catchy. TikTok, viral, rock star, they liked. TikTok, viral. He makes some other great music. People do like his story of being the underdog, but at a certain point, that's not what's going to make them wait three years. The average fan not waiting three years for nobody these days. They want to be fed often, okay? They want new music. They want constantly reassurance that that person who's their favorite artist is giving them and spoon-feeding them with content consistently. We've seen to the point, look at Youngboy. Youngboy, to my to my knowledge, dropped probably four projects this year, right? Sincerely, Kentrell, he dropped the um, NBA young or the NBA compilation tape, right? Also, the the joint tape with um, Birdman, and also the joint tape with with Rich the Kid, right? That dropped this year, right? Or, or was that last year? Because I know Rich Kid drops a joint tape with Lil Wayne this year. But regardless, even that, that's about like four, could be around five, at least four projects. In the last calendar year, we've gotten from NBA Youngboy. He's feeding his audience very often. And now some might be like, well, you know, not everyone has to do that. Well, I I only think only a few can afford to not do that. You know, one of the dopest thing about Youngboy is that he treats his audience and he treats what he got going on like a vlogger, you know? Like, he constantly refreshes his audience with new material and new content, and he works fast and efficient to make sure he could do it. Music used to be a process where you shoot a video, you get that video back a couple weeks later. I've seen young boy literally FaceTime me while he was doing a video, and I look up the next day, and the clothes he was wearing the day before doing that video, he's wearing in the video being out. So th- that type of turnaround time is not usually, um, you don't usually see the music. So I think that's one of the reasons he wins. He's He's been dominating YouTube. And I think Roddy Rich should have probably took a little bit of note because of that. I think a lot of artists believe that because of the pandemic, music froze time. And that since people weren't going outside, people weren't demanding new shit. Because a lot of times music is... Music marks time, and a lot of that time is moments in people's lives and some people who may make music that gets played in the club. Well, if the clubs are kind of getting shut down, you know, you might not need to drop new music because, hey, the clubs ain't open anyway. However, people move on, and the attention span is really short. Speaking of which, people were thinking that this particular group was waiting on the pandemic to kind of be over. And when it looked like the pandemic was about to fall back a little bit, they came with their project. And who am I talking about? Fresh off of, you know, um, 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 the Sweetie beatdown, um, my man Quavo and the Migos. You know, they kind of came back, you know, with blood in their eyes. I feel like they could tell people were counting them out. And, and I've said, I'll put Soldier Boy up there in terms of people who have been counted out, but count out several times, but still come back another time. I could definitely say that um, when when you think about people who have been counted out, you got to think about the Migos. The Migos have been counted out three to four times before where people thought, okay, that's it. It's over. Oh, shit. Offsets in jail. That's it. Oh, shit. This happened. Oh, that's it. Okay. Oh, at the bad and bougie. Okay, that's it. Oh, shit. They're leaving 300. That's it. And each and every time we've seen them come back with, you know, new styles, new lingo, new new inspiration. And that's the reason why I think they kind of embrace that whole thing about culture because the Migos have been trendsetters from day one. So, again, every time they've been counted out, they came back. But this time a lot of people are really saying, no, 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 we really got them now. Stick a fork in them. They're not effective without the clubs being open. 
we think that people have just moved on to the likes of Lil Baby and other artists. The Migos are done. And I'm going to be honest, I think their album was pretty successful. You know, I don't think I would really say they're a comeback of the year type, you know, um, qualification because I don't think they went anywhere. But in terms of them being counted out, 100%. People were done with them. People were saying that's just a dub. And what did they do? Came back with modern day, uh, a modern day uh, stroll or whatever it's called. They came back with straightening. You know, they came back with having your way with Drake. They came back with a bunch of heaters. I'm gonna keep it a hundred. They came back with some really hot shit. That even though I do think the wave that they had, I don't think they'll get that back again. Where they were just having people eat out of their hands for months on end. But the reception to that album was overall positive. People like it. They did good numbers, and I just think it's a W. So, you know, salute to, salute to uh, uh, the Migos. I feel like it was a well-deserved encore for the Culture Series and also for a legendary group, to be honest. If we're going to really just match them up as a group, who, who really could compete with the Migos? Like, again, of course, we, you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony and some other people. You could name, again, I don't know if we name him Mob Deepest group or just a duo, but... Man, the Migos are as legendary as you could get. They're definitely first ballot Hall of Fame, if you ask me. Now, um, another thing I'm going to say happened this year, man. Yo, I got to give credit to Young Thug. Man, Young Thug had a great fucking phenomenal year, and this year was really cemented by him stepping back. Like, Young Thug stepped back, and he allowed his artists to shine. He played the executive role, but also... At every moment reminded us that, yo, you know, I'm still a thugger. I'm still that nigga, you know. And while doing that, we just saw, number one, YSL just improving and going up. But we also saw, like, you know, people started to have a different respect for Young Thug because he started speaking more by him doing, I think he did, like, one or two podcasts with, you know, a million dollars worth of game. He did The Breakfast Club. He started really more expressing himself, and people stopped seeing him for the guy who, you know, for, for a little while, people used to look at, you know, him as a big troll. Like, oh, this guy's trolling. He's wearing dresses. He's saying these things. He's just beefing with legends. You know, he's he's too stuck in this antisocial, I do what I want, I wear a dress, but I'm gangster mode to really, like, be a very serious um, boss in the game. And I think that's where, you know, even the next topic kind of comes comes around because, you know, YSL is just doing great. And you'll see them obviously nominated in my, um, you know, best label of the year category once we get to that. But, yo, we got to just give credit to the labels. Like, yo, QC got, like, a fucking behemoth and conglomerate going on over there. Like, obviously, we heard all the issues going on with the Migos and Baby. But, yo, are we going to really just sit here and act like that's not an amazing job of micromanaging egos and a situation that could have gone left? You know, if you ever hear the stories about what happened, they're saying that, you know, 4PF, you know, got into a little kerfuffle, you know what I mean, with with Offset from the Migos. Obviously, the Migos are going to rock with Offset. That's their guy. And, you know, Baby is also on QC. They're all on the same label. You know, I went to I went to the event, the little YouTuber versus TikTok event in Florida, and this is when people thought they couldn't probably be in the same room together or couldn't be near each other, probably in the same city without maybe some retaliation or some other stuff happening. And what ended up happening? I saw both acts. They performed back to back. I'm pretty sure, like, you know, they, they kept separating. It don't look like they're the bestest of friends. But you got to salute to P. You got to salute to, you know, um, Coach K. You got to salute to QC from micromanaging that situation. A lot of times artists... When they see another artist now gain a little bit of leverage on the label, they might be like, yo, fuck that. And that that looked like it was going to be the case when we saw some lawsuits being flung around and we saw, like, you know, P not following, you know, um, um, some of the members of the Migos and them, them not following him. But, hey, everything was handled as it should. Family business get handled behind the scenes. Never heard nothing more about it. All we saw was that they were back in the mix Shouting out P, shouting out QC, and also just kind of doing their thing. So I got to say, that's like a phenomenal structure. And I think what QC is doing now, they're setting the wave and they're setting the path for all these other labels that are doing phenomenal stuff. Like, for example, you know, Gucci's label. You know, obviously he's had a bunch of artists who's been incarcerated this year. But, you know, Gucci's ear for talent, he's utilizing it in a way where, hey, listen, and you'll see when I make my, my list of 
the labels, like, no disrespect to, like, an Atlantic or an Interscope, but you guys are, like, you know, what you are. The, the labels we really paying attention to are the artists, artists ran label or the artists, who, the, the labels that are much more connected to the culture than these, you know, um, 150-year-old labels like a, you know, like a Def Jam or whatever the case is. You know what I mean? So, again, that's what we're going to kind of focus on. And if we're talking about QC, we're talking about YSL, we're talking about 1017, we definitely got to throw in the mix CMG. I think Yo Gotti is just kind of, you know, if you didn't think of Gotti as a boss before, Gotti has kind of just leveled up in the last two, three years. He's made the right signings. He's, he's, he's never been the guy who seemed like he was always trying to take attention for himself. He played the background role, introduced the right artists. He let them have their shine and supported them. You know, I felt like that was, you know, I, again, you know, I had a conversation with him on Everyday Struggle. And I can't remember where he said he got that philosophy from. I could be just completely wrong about it. So it might be like Master P or like Birdman in a way of just like, yo, yo, fuck what a budget is. If, if you believe in an artist and the artist needs some shit, rock out with it. It'll work. It'll work eventually. And when it does work, you won't be thinking about the money like you, you spent and invested like it'll just be good. So, again, watching everything he's done with CMG, I just think it's fucking amazing. You know, I think he's done an amazing job with um, Moneybag Yo. And I think what he was doing, um, uh, actually, I'm, I'm thinking about another artist. Uh, I just think CMG's doing a great job. Okay, I believe Pusha is on uh, um, Gucci's label, I believe. So, you know, that's one of the artists who's incarcerated. Regardless, um, and, uh, oh, 42 Doug. 42 Doug, I believe 42 Doug is, is a joint artist on CMG, but also he's on, like, Lil Baby's label as well, which is, like, 4PF, so it's 4PF CMG. So, you know, salute to everybody, especially these artists kind of getting their, their label game going on. That's very important. Like if, if, if you guys are really going to become bosses and really live the stuff you guys are rapping, you guys got to take your own careers in your own hands and start putting on your brothers in, instead of just walking them into a meeting with Def Jam. If they got a situation with you already, have Def Jam deal with you if you want to do business with Def Jam, not you just give your guy to somebody else. Regardless, um, salute to all the labels who are definitely making their moves. Um, also got to say salute to Generation Now. You know, to be honest, I thought after the Uzi thing was kind of going a little left, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought that, you know, he was going to just get off the label, not fuck with him anymore. And um, this is before Jack Harlow popped off. I thought DJ Drama and Don Cannon was just going to, you know, go do some other shit. But they made a great, uh, great pick um, to sign Jack, Jack Harlow super early. And they worked that project. They worked that artist. I remember them sending me songs like, yo, you should listen to this Jack Harlow shit. And I, and I remember saying to them, like, man, if y'all don't stop, man, I'm like, yo, don't don't say I got some shit to be solved with um, Uzi, and um, it looked like there might have been something there. But regardless, I think Generation Now has done a great job of doing that. You know, um, what else happened this year? Three hundred records, three hundred entertainment. That shit got sold to Warner. Um, we're seeing a bunch of artists in very public. You know, label kind of fights. For example, Meg The Stallion, who was on 300 Records, but really also signed to 1501 um, with Carl Crawford. We see who I like to call, you know, the the swiper no swiping of the motherfucking industry, which is Rock Nation. They don't really. You, you ever see a nigga who don't want shit till you got shit? You know what I mean? So they're not going out there trying to find the talent. They only come around when you got the talent. And that's just what Rock Nation kind of has been doing. They're trying to give Meg Thee Stallion, wrangle her away from 1501. You know, Jay Prince is involved with that. And also, we look at uh, what they're trying to do with Uzi and, and, and Epic Records just ain't going. Epic Records, that's a big boy in the game. They're not about to go for that, right? So we'll see what happens with that. But Sluice is definitely all of the indie labels who are now moving and actively trying to put on artists in the game, okay? Um we probably should even just get immediately to this Drake thing. I thought the Drake rollout this year was very interesting. And, you know, I've been giving a lot of people my uh, opinion on why artists move a certain way during a certain time. And if we watched how the whole Drake 
and Kanye thing played out, I don't believe that Drake was trying to drop when Kanye was trying to drop. I think Kanye had, you know, a hard on in terms of trying to drop the same day as Drake. And it kind of shows why Kanye, you know, if we ever get into that versus conversation, you know, I love Drake's music, but I don't know if it would perform up to par against a lot of Kanye classics. This is a reason I think Kanye also believes that. I think he was trying to position a lot of his music, which sometimes might not be the biggest hits, but might be more meaningful to certain audiences. And I keep telling people when we're talking about this versus shit, there's a lot of factors you got to think about. When you're talking about versus, okay, what type of versus we about to do? Is this a versus that's going to be the biggest hits or the most meaningful songs? Right. And the turn of events in terms of, you know, Kanye and Drake going at it, because Kanye pretty much posted Drake's home address online. And if we listen to and decipher through the music, Drake basically said, looked like they were about to squash it. Right. And while they were about to squash it, it went left again. Now, I didn't hear a story. Right. I heard that there was going to be a meeting set up with Drake and Kanye at some studio. And from what I heard, Kanye was there, but Drake never showed up or something to the effect. I don't know who didn't show up. Maybe maybe Kanye didn't show up. But that was taken as disrespect. You know, like the mere fact you wouldn't come to the meeting to squash the issues when it was clear that it was going to be squashed, right? And um, that kind of started off with more disses. We heard Life at a Party with, obviously, Andre 3000 and, and um, Kanye going crazy at Drake, but Drake also dropped 7 a.m. in in um, Bridal Path, which is obviously where he lives at. Like a lot of back and forth going on. The dust is settled. It's 2022. Who had the better album, CLB or Donda? You got away from my my, um, my award show. I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, it's very hard to say, man, because I still think that Drake's album has a lot of replay value. But there's certain songs on just Donda that are just fucking like. You get to realize the ma- the mastery that Kanye has achieved in music that it almost feels robbed, like when you're d- you're comparing him to, and no disrespect to Drake, comparing him to a rapper. You know, I feel like Kanye's creating musical masterpieces with certain records, not all of them. Some of them are trash. I ain't gonna lie to you. So that's why, you know, this isn't my beautiful dark twisted fantasy where pretty much everything is flawless. He's swinging for the hills a lot, you know, and some of these songs you kind of listen to him like, damn, how the fuck does someone in hip hop even mentally get to creating this? You know, like it's easy to just hop hop on a not saying it's easy, but just hopping on a take Keith beat and just kind of getting some rhymes off with a catchy hook. Cool. But fucking coming up with like a listening experience that ties into some type of um, theme or or just. The instruments and and samples and music and just everything built around the beat, it just seems a lot more the, the, the use of the choir, like it sometimes it's kind of unfair what Kanye is doing musically. And it just kind of shows the levels between him and everybody else in music. You know, like it, I'm I'm glad they took him out of the just the rap category because I believe what he's making, I don't even think it's gospel. I just think it's a different musical production. You know what I mean? Like He's pretty much employing orchestras, 808 drums, choirs, symphonies, basically. He's doing some other stuff. Now, is the rapping the best? No. And for people like me who, you know, I'm going to judge you on, are you rapping the best on there? Yeah, that's that's definitely, it leads a lot more to be desired. But is he doing some great fucking music? Yeah. Okay, so... I'll give you the answer who, who, in hindsight, I thought had the better album. But I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like, how anticlimactic, like, really, how anticlimactic was it that um, from all those tweets, from all those, you know, back and forth, and we saw Kanye fucking just lifting weights in the stadium, doing all that type of stuff, and, you know, the clear disses at each other, whatever the case is, they both just basically just do a concert together, hugging and saying, yo, listen, we've been waiting for this moment for a long time. It's like, they're basically a minute like, yo, we ain't want to beef with each other. Like, we couldn't wait to be friends. So, again, it was kind of anticlimactic. Not that we expected that someone's going to get hurt or something like that. But, you know, shit, maybe some type of musical competition. Maybe, like, 
maybe a couple back and forth with some more songs. Nah, it just kind of ended like that. But it also goes to show the power of Jay Prince. Not going to lie, I, th- I think Jay Prince kind of showed that even in 2021, he's someone and he's a factor in the music industry. And whether you might want to say that, he, that comes with him being heavy in the street or what, when he says something, people respect it. When he thinks an issue should die or he wants to bring two parties together, he's going to get that shit resolved despite their personal feelings. When I saw that picture of Kanye and and, and um, um, Drake standing next to each other, they look like two kids that got brought into the principal office and just got reamed out. And they basically got to stand there and wait and wait for their parents to come pick them up. But they just got an earful and they can't fight each other no more. So I don't know. I looked at, you know, Jay Prince always has this boogeyman effect about him. But it was it's well deserved if if that's the outcome of what he's doing. You get me? Um, let me see. My goddamn phone died. Jesus Christ. There's so much things that really happened in this year that has to be talked about. But yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Like I, the rollout for Donda was really good, spectacular. The whole stadium thing, amazing. I got no I got no issue with. How that was done. I thought that was done on such a grand scale that I don't know if it's Kanye being a billionaire or his ideas is just so fucking huge at this point that when you compare it, like let's compare his rollout to Drake. Drake put up a bunch of billboards. Yo, I got somebody from your city on on the album. It was cool. You know what I mean? It was clever. But there's one thing and a big difference between clever and fucking genius. And I think what Drake did was clever. What Kanye did was fucking genius in terms of how they did the rollout. You feel me? Um, anyway, let me see what else happened. Jesus Christ, Wack versus 6ix9ine. I think the conversation of snitching pretty much stalled for like two, three years, right? So so um, 6ix9ine snitch, quote unquote, in 2018, got out in 2020 was probably the biggest thing in music in terms of releasing, you know, some music videos, went on live, had 2 million people. People were kind of conflicted in realizing, hey, listen, why people are so interested in this guy who's breaking all the street codes? People also probably realized at that point, man, fuck them street codes. Like, the people who are listening to hip-hop music, they don't really care about the street codes as much as they care about entertainment. And I think that had to be one of the things that, you know, hip-hop kind of learned. But um, the WAC versus 6ix9ine conversation... Tell me how crazy this sounds. You know, I, I I was very involved in setting that up. Wack was super down for it. Six Nine was down for it as well. You know, Six Nine wanted to get somebody that he could debate. Wack wanted to, you know, be the voice of the streets a bit to let this guy know, like, yo, listen, I won't even call you a rat. And that's was was Wack's opinion. He's like, I won't even call you a rat because I don't think you're a street from the get go. You know, that whole conversation went viral because people had their own thoughts about it. But it really turned out to be probably helpful for both. You know, Wack these days is like one of the biggest voices when it comes to the streets and hip-hop. You can hear him on Clubhouse every day going through some gang or hood politics. And also, with 6ix9ine, gave him a chance to explain himself. Did it work? I don't know. What did happen? 6ix9ine and Wack, they communicate from time to time. They're doing business. Wack is securing millions of dollars of deals for 6ix9ine. How ironic, just like the entire year, is that two people who you'd have you'd have thought would be adversaries turn out to be working together. So it's just one of those things, man. Um, also, what happened this year, which which you know, it feels like such a fucking long year. Donald Trump gets out of office, right? In January or February, whatever the case is. You know, people thought he was not going to leave, but he got out of office. Before he got out of office, you know who he pardoned? Lil Wayne. We forgot that Wayne was locked up or he, he pled guilty and was taking time for, you know, having a gun, you know, fe- federal felony possession of a gun because he got caught with it on like a private jet. You know, um, Kodak had a, a federal case because he lied on, a, on an application, on an ATF application in obtaining the gun. So he was basically doing time. What does Trump do? Which pretty much a lot of people be saying that nigga Trump racist, you don't do this, you don't do that. Man, he pardons both of them. 
So again, we got both of them back in music. I thought that Kodak had a pretty good year, even though we didn't put out anything too official. Those that EP, Haitian Boy Kodak, I loved. Dirty K, one of my favorite songs of the year. And of course, Super Gremlin, he dropped at the end. Amazing. Okay. He also came on off the record. Salute to my guy Kodak Black. Okay. Um, another thing that happened this year, damn, Nicki Minaj vaccine tweets. Y'all still haven't gotten my vaccine. You know, and I should get it, but I'm really just kind of like there's a lot of people around me that's get, gotten it. And I'll, you know, I'm just being a bitch. I ain't going to lie to you because in reality, like what everybody just tell me now is like, yeah, your, your arm is going to be sore for a couple of days. I fucking hate needles. I keep telling people that. I'm like, yo, they get, which <clears throat> I just seen the news. The FDA just like approved like some type of, I don't know if it's equivalent to the vaccine, but some type of COVID related thing that's in pill form. I'm telling you, man, I'll take the pill. Take the vaccine. I don't know about that one. Okay, and actually, I'm, I'm gonna take it. It's just that if the, if a pill could do the same thing, I'd be definitely down to do that before that. Okay, um, the baby rolling loud thing. Kind of discussed that already, but like, man, the LGBTQ community and them even propelling Lil Nas X, you know, who pretty much seemed like he was the biggest thing in music this year because you know he's taking over. If you ask me, from six nine and trolling, he's trolling everybody. You know what I mean? Like he's troll Boosie, trolls. People who, who are straight, people who don't have a sense of humor. He knows how to market his album. He played off of the whole... He, he used Drake's promo to promo his album even better, you know? And and um, some people are, are feeling that, hey, listen, rappers now got to change up their tone and change up how they address and deal with things, especially when it comes to the LGBTQ community. If you're going to be talking about certain shit... That affects the LGBTQ community. You better be respectful. The baby learned the hard way. You know what I mean? After he did Rolling Loud and basically said that, yo, listen, uh, um, he pretty much made like a call out like, yo, if you haven't been sucking dick in a parking lot and you're not gay and you don't got AIDS or something like that, and people felt offended, got canceled. He missed a lot of concerts. He had to give money back. Well, not give money back, but he didn't get the back end because they pretty much canceled the performance. He pretty much kind of was blackballed for a bit until, you know, he made peace or had a meeting with a lot of gay organizations who basically decided to forgive him. It's one of those things that we never seen before. You know, he was brought to his knees. And even then, you know, Rowan Lau was one of the first outlets that kind of let him get back on. But we have to remember that if this was a couple years ago, not that we agree with what he said, but I don't think no one bats an eye. So that became a very important thing of what happened. Um, few things happened that we never really got the full details on, but we're confirmed of what really happened. You know, Meek and Travis almost fought at some, like, you know, all-white party hosted by Michael Rubin and Robert Kraft. These are billionaires hosting parties, and I keep telling you, I don't know why billionaires are hanging with rappers. You get me? These rappers rap about nothing but violence. Okay, when you have a party with said rappers, I don't think it should be that shocking if something violent happens. But they kind of got into it. They got into it. We didn't hear too much about it. We didn't hear neither party speak on it. Um, from what I heard, there was an apology kind of given in, in the background from Meek to Travis. You know, Meek, Meek was a little lit. Apparently did have a real issue with Travis, but that's another story. And... Um, you know, I don't think he's he was apologizing like he did anything wrong. It's just that he probably felt he could have handled that issue a little bit different, okay? But that happened, but also, you know, my man, Frederick Gibbs, you know, he, you know, he called a case of the beats. Like, yeah, niggas caught him in um, Prime 112. You know, he's been sneak dissing like about at least 10 rappers a month. He's He's been a Twitter gangster ever since, you know, pretty much birth. You know, I gave, gave his story on him. Father's a cop, brother's a DA, you know. Um, I think he has a sister, another brother that's a that's a doctor. Pretty much, you know, this guy got all type of badges, gaffles, all type of stuff like in, in in his fucking wallet. So you know, he got no legal problems. However, he's been starting it with people, you know. And when it came to Jim Jones, you know, they've had a long history feud that. Frederick would actually be online just talking smack like there wasn't real things that got ha that happened in real life about it. And again, I know I ain't gangster, but I thought they said certain stuff should be kept in the street. But of course, when you deal with somebody who got basically a badge in their back pocket, they're going to try to keep it on the internet that you get locked up. So again, what happened in Prime on 12? 
I heard he got I heard he got tossed through a drywall. You feel me? You know what I mean? I heard he got a very vicious case of the beats. You know what I mean? He was almost unconscious. Um, he was getting power bombed. And apparently, they got a couch in there or some type of sitting area. I heard, like, yo, he was just literally, he was just frantically running for his life. You know, I guess Jim Jones is just showing us that all that working out ain't for nothing. You know what I mean? He's actually... He's actually giving niggas, you know, the F5. You know what I mean? He's putting the, he's putting pause on them niggas, okay? And unfortunately, and I think, well, actually fortunately for Federer Gibbs, I think I think he learned his lesson, man. You got to cut that out, brother. It's over with. Cut it out. It's over. You know what I mean? Like, when I mean it's over, like, like stop trolling when that's not what really um, helps you win in your career. You're a rapper who some people like your raps. Why are you trolling? It's not going to help you. It's just going to make you look worse when situations like this happen. Because I keep telling y'all. Federick is like me, okay? We're both civilians, okay? I don't know somehow he's fooled the rap game thing he's a gangster. I've heard everything from from um, that. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I did say the artist who got locked up. Chef G also got locked up. Fujiano, K-Flock, Glock 9, okay? Um, yeah, the, the Nikki vaccine tweets was a little bit crazy. Nikki swore she was never going to use Twitter again. She thought people was against her. She was supposed to meet with the White House. And I'm going to be honest with you, yo. I like the fact that Nikki was just speaking her truth, but I'm going to be very honest with y'all because I come from and I was born in Jamaica. When you talk to your relatives that live in a third world country, first of all, I'm not disrespecting or I'm not saying anything about Nikki's like family, but I, I know my family from a third world country, Jamaica, and I was born there. Listen, man, they'll claim anything is a symptom when they're not trying to like address what's really going on. You know what I mean? Again, the, this isn't the place where they're getting either regular checkups, this and third, but one of Nikki's relatives' balls swole up supposedly after they got the vaccine and they're blaming the vaccine. In reality, we got to keep it on hunting, man. That motherfucker just had an STD, okay? That's really what it is. Like, Nikki just ain't want to tell the truth. Or not Nikki. Nikki probably just believe her family. Family ain't want to tell the truth. Motherfucker called STD, man. Like, that's just what it is. Called an STD, blamed on the vaccine. That's, yo, typical niggas lies. That's a lie niggas tell. You feel me? Like, somebody asks you, why is that that? Instead of telling the fucking truth, you just lump it with some other shit. That's how it goes. But, you know, she's, she later kind of fell back on it. She never really kind of, you know, went back on her word. But she also said she was going to get vaccinated, which I don't think she is yet. She even said she missed the Met Gala because she was not vaccinated. Okay? Um... 2021 also was the year in the rise of Justin LaBoy. Okay. Justin LaBoy, man. Um, he's like, I, I fuck with him. I think, I think he's a really cool guy. But I think, you know, um, what his page represents is like, he's like the male version of like the city girls. And what I mean by that, you know, not to disrespect him, but I think people look at his page to hear what women think. But they're, they want to hear it from a man. But they don't want to hear anything that challenges what they think. They just want an echo chamber. So, like, you know, if, whatever the city girls say, imagine if a dude was saying that. And girls are like, yo, I knew, I knew I was thinking was right. Look, even he's saying it. So I think that's one of the reasons, you know, um, he kind of blew up this year. But, you know, congratulations to him. He had a, a show that was, I think, probably doing good. It was on Revolt. You know, he had Sweetie on there. Sweetie was fucking tweaking, told me she was trying to have a threesome with a nigga this and third. That's how Offset and, and Sweetie kind of broke up. But we also just saw, like, just other instances where Justin LeBoy is now really into this culture where he was he was leaking all the information about Ye's album. He's involved in this culture where people have to be cognizant of, you know, either what he's doing, who he's talking to, or what information he has. So, you know, salute to him, but, you know, uh, the Sweetie moment was fucking priceless, and him getting dissed on Drake's album for his affiliation to Drake, uh, Kanye, was, is priceless. I'm wondering what happens with that, because I've seen that before. He's probably just supporting Kanye, right? Drake disses him. Drake and Kanye were beefing. Drake and Kanye now are mad cool. Did Drake forgive him too? Because what I know about this industry, they'll forgive the person they were beefing with, but they don't like forgiving the people who were on the side. So I'll see what happened. And if you're wondering what song he got dissed on, Drake dissed him on 7 a.m. in Bridal Path when he was like, yo, he was like, yo, um, he was like, yo, um, fuck respect, something like that. He was like, yo, fuck, uh, fuck, your, fuck respectfully, I just want my respect or something like that, right? 
And clearly that was a shot at Justin LeBoy. Let me see what else happened. So Freddie got tossed into a meat grinder in, in Prime 112. Oh, Jada Kiss holding down for the whole locks versus dip set. The baby rolling loud, pardoning, Bobby coming home, boosting Lil Nas X. Um, oh, Meg Thee Stallion. Yo, Meg Thee Stallion won every fucking award this year. You know, I, I've, I've been very kind of critical of Meg because I think she has high potential. And I'm not criticizing her just to be tough on her. But I believe Meg could be the one in terms of the one that could compete legitimately down the line on the mainstream level with Nicki Minaj. Now, I don't necessarily believe that anymore. But... And this is why I, I, I'm, I don't believe it. I think she's getting coddled. I don't think she's getting pushed. And I think what happened with Nikki, Nikki got pushed. She had to keep up with all the niggas to really even get her own um, recon, um, um, recognition. I think that Meg is being awarded and rewarded and acknowledged for sometimes subpar shit, which why would you ever want to push yourself if you're getting awarded and rewarded? She's getting nominated for pretty much every award. She's winning most of the awards she's nominated for. Even when people are saying, what the fuck? The, the little baby just had an amazing year. Why he's not winning? We're seeing Meg collect them awards. So, again, I don't think she's getting pushed. Do I think that, yo, she, she has zero chance of, you know, kind of raising her standard of her art? I think she could do it, but why would you do it if you're getting a reward? Yo, if, if you basically did your homework five minutes before class started and you got an A, Plus, why the fuck would you ever do it two nights before ever again? Just keep doing what you've been doing. That's gotten you to the A plus. So that's just one of those things. I, I think she could push herself and go even further. But, um, yeah, and I won't even touch the whole Megan Tory thing because pretty much that thing happened, I think, like 2019. Yeah, I think that happened on not 2019, 2020. It happened. 2021 was they're kind of in and out of court. We hear, we heard finally that Tori might have told her, yo, dance, chick, dance. But also, like, you know, we heard there was no actual bullet wound. They can't find the bullet fragments. We'll find out what really happened in 2022. So I won't even pretty much end up speculating. Uh, what else happened? Uh, Kodak and Jack Boy. People start falling out. Kodak and Jack Boy fell out. Man, we thought they were, like, really a duo. We th I thought they were cousins. So to watch them fall out was a little bit strange. Actually, it might have been a sacrifice. I know people love that word just to say blah, blah. But I think when Kodak kind of came out of jail and he was piecing stuff up with young boy, hey, you know what I mean? Somebody got to get the blunt to the, the blame and shit. I think when Kodak was saying, nigga, I didn't know what really was going on. Jack Boy was telling me all this shit. He wanted, you know, issues with them guys. I ain't got no problem with with, with um, young boy which was also super interesting. Um, what else ended up happening? Oh, man, the deterioration of Will Smith, man. Will Smith caught a bad fucking... Yo, this year, man, again, the whole August Alcina shit was just sad, right? So August Alcina was like, you know, like, you know, piping out Jada. You know, I, it sounds harsh, but really, that's what they said. I, I, don't blame me. They pretty much did an interview about it. So she was, or he was her side dude, you know what I mean? Piped her down here, there. And um, obviously, you know, it's all about optics. So I'm pretty sure Will had a situation like that. But, like, whoever that person was for Will wasn't doing interviews and probably wasn't famous, right? So we never heard about that. People looked at Will a little bit weird. We started hearing about, like, you know, this Red Table Talk stuff where Jada comes out every week either just kind of, like, gushing over Tupac or some other dude who, who she might have loved or liked in the past. And then she comes out pretty much, you know, like doubting his whole manhood a lot of times, you know. And even Will Cosines would be like, oh, yeah, I, could, I, I always realized I could never love her the way how she needed to be loved. Like, what the fuck? Who, who the fuck's, what the, who the hell says some shit like that? You know, like from them admitting that whole open relationship, open marriage type of thing, which probably works for them. But some things, not because it works for you, means you should go around promoting it. You, sometimes you got to let people um, find their own way to happiness. And I think it's just kind of. It kind of damages legacy. When I look at Will, I just kind of looked at someone who was probably living in a facade and what we saw in the movies from Bad Boys. We were thinking about, oh, yo, that's Mike Larry. Man, he was more, in real life, he's more like Martin Lawrence's character, okay? That's just really what it is. We're thinking about, yo, that's the Fresh Prince. He might have been a little bit more like Carlton. That's just the honest, honest truth about the whole thing. So, you know, we're kind of... Uh, 
still kind of in shock about this whole Will Smith thing. But, you know, I think for him, maybe it's like him finding his own peace because he continues to, to, to say it. He doesn't come on and be like, oh, man, I wish I didn't say that. He continues to kind of live his truth by telling what's going on. So I just think that's kind of interesting as well. Um, what else happened? What happened? Oh, shit. Lil Durk getting engaged to India. That also happened. But a couple months before that, man, Dirk and, um, uh, and India was up in the crib busting guns at the ops like it was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like, that story was fucking crazy. You know, I found out that story from somebody who lived. And, if, and TMZ claims, you know, they, they always claim they break every story, which they didn't, you know. And by the way, the TMZ guy who even got that, I spoke to that guy because they had no idea it went down. Basically, somebody in, in, in Dirk's, like, really posh neighborhood in, in, I don't say where he lives, in Georgia, they said, yo, there was a shooting at Dirk's crib. They didn't know what exactly happened, but they did have, like, an email from, like, the housing authority. I guess it's, like, a gated community. So it told everyone, like, yo, there was a shooting that went down. Hey, listen, in the future, you guys should call the police if you hear shootings happening or anything, disturbances happening. And when the details came out, the, the police did respond to a shooting. And the details of the investigation or what was told to them was that somebody tried to break in, which I don't know how you try to break in when you had to get through the gates in the first place. Somebody tried to break in. Dirk and his girl start shooting at them, them, and they ran. You know, honestly, I just thought India was just a dope-ass chick. You know, I think she's been held, held them, holding them down for such a long time. And I think for Dirk, man, it's, it's responsible to marry her. I'm not the biggest proponent of marriage, but Dirk had to do that. And and not saying he didn't want to, but it would be wrong if he didn't do that. Like, this is a girl who I think her life is in danger by being with Dirk. You know, we've seen a lot of people around Dirk pass away, get shot, get murdered. This is someone who pretty much had an attempt on her life while she's trying to be in a relationship with Dirk. What did she do? Not run. She tried to hold it down and defend Dirk as well. Come on, like, she's she's clearly down to pay the ultimate sacrifice of being with you. Was you scared to get on one knee and, and actually promise that you're going to, you know, hold it down with her um, till death do y'all part? I think Dirk did the right thing. And um, I think, you know, I see a lot of people who are like, oh, shit, they want that Dirk in India now. First of all, y'all, y'all all don't want to be shot at. Second of all, y'all all don't want to be the stepmom to eight kids because Dirk got eight kids. And also, you know, um, you, you just don't want to be in a situation where, like, you're... Uh, and also, well, on a good side for them, y'all ain't do what she did to even earn that spot. Like, you know what I mean? Some of y'all, all y'all good at is just, you know, like, not cheating is not enough. Like, you got to do that Dirk in India shit to really be Dirk in India. Anyway, um, what else happened? Oh, my God. The Astro World strategy. The Astro World tragedy. Um... You know, we're still trying to figure out who's to be blamed, but we have to just take into account that some of these concerts are going too far anyway. Men are rolling loud now. The entire thing is raging. Like, people don't listen to music anymore. It's all about mosh pits. It's all about pushing each other, jumping off of stuff, really trying to push the, the experience of being at a concert to the extreme. And if you think about all of that, you got to think that at some point someone was going to die. And did anyone want someone to die? No. Did Travis want somebody to die? No. Did Live Nation or concert goers or did the police or the paramedics there want someone to die? No. But it's always the thing that forces people to change. It's the only thing that was going to get people's attention and say, yo, some of these mosh pits and these crowds that are keep pushing each other and it's kind of dangerous. I see Rolling Loud do this, this new thing. They put an age restriction. There was a kid who died at Astroworld that was nine. If you're a nine-year-old and the, the entire atmosphere is pushing, riding, stomping on each other, and you are the smallest person there, and your parents bringing you on their shoulder, like if if your parent gets knocked down, you might get killed. So, obviously, people are trying to like work with what's going on now and put new statues into place. Yo, if if you a child. No, you, you. This is not. This is not. As crazy as it sounds, but a Travis Scott concert is not child friendly. Number one, the lyrics he's, he's spitting anyway ain't the best in child, most child friendly shit. But even then, the atmosphere is way more 
then um, it, it's not deemed for, for kids. It's not going like to an NFL game or a basketball game. So people are adjusting. We're going to see what happens with concerts in the future, especially in 2022. But um, let me see what else happened uh, that I am missing. I think I pretty much got it all. I think I pretty much got it all. Let me see. Let me see. Um. Oh, yeah, Cardi's tours as well. Like, you know, th that's kind of part of, like, you know, this whole rage culture. We haven't seen any deaths there. And good for Cardi. I think Cardi's album, Whole Lot of Red, is getting a, hu a, a new life. And Youngboy said it with me on, on live when we were in a clubhouse. He said, I think Cardi's album was meant to be performed. And as we're seeing how crazy his tour goes, his album shot back up the charts. It was meant to be performed. So that's actually dope to watch how his tours is helping the music. Um, oh, congrats to Lil Baby and Lil Dirk. They went on a successful arena tour, two gangster rappers. Okay, and whether you want to think about Baby as a gangster rapper, you're a gangster rapper, okay? He might not be rapping about smoking on, on, on packs, but definitely a gangster rapper, okay? Um, yeah, I think that is it. I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Pretty much, um, I think I hit most of the major events that did go down in 2021. I will be doing the next part of this, which will be the top 10 list. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. It's going to be the Academics Top 10 list. Then we'll be doing the awards show. And then we're on and forward to 2022. But while you guys are still here, please make sure you hit that notification bell on the Spotify app. Make sure you guys are following off the record. Make sure to check out the episode with Fetty Wap. Also with Skinny from the Nine. We had some great episodes this year. The one with WAC 100. His solo one, WAC 1069. Um, we had 21 Savage. The Britney Renner one that went super viral. We did one with um, Kodak Black. We did a bunch of content that if you haven't heard, we had Omi and the Hellcat, one of the most phenomenal stories. We had um, um, Andrew Tate interesting guy where we've definitely escaped outside of hip-hop at times which is dope so we just have dope conversations go check out every single episode when you're all caught up to date you'll get another piece of this wrap-up which will be the top 10 lists in hip-hop but it'll be a little bit outside of hip-hop too so just my top 10s okay um make sure you guys check that out but the only way you'll be able to do that if you hit the notification bell it's boy academics make sure you guys catch me on the next episode of off the record peace